This is CliffCentral.com. Listening on. You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliffCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. CliffCentral.com. All right, 18th of January, 2018. And it is The Bounce Show with me, Ben Kopinski. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're listening live, hello. If you're listening by the podcast, well, also, hello, hello, hello. It's a really cool week of sport because it's always nice to have South African winners. And uh, that's what we got right now. The Proteas have just given the Indians a good trousering 2-0. So that's two up after two tests, third test to come. So we're obviously going to touch on that. Uh, what else is really going on? Well, I know there's some football on the go right now, but the league stuff here in the PSL isn't exactly scintillating, is it? And with regards to FA Cup, we've still got the, I think it's the fourth round or third round's finishing to go into the fourth round. So not a biggie. Australian Open is on right now. There was some, well, some decent upsets in the women's side of the draw, but of course the interest is a little bit lower seeing as Serena pulled out before it even got going. The men's side of things, it's gonna be, well, all eyes are gonna be on Federer and Nadal, no doubt. Um, so yeah, it's like even bother getting into that really because tennis is kind of like, well, these Grand Slams, they become more interesting in the second week. So we're only in the first week. So we'll give that one a skip. We will get into Winter Olympics. Now, I love the Winter Olympics. I absolutely love the Winter Olympics. I think this time four years ago, I was saying the same stuff to everybody and everybody would listen because the Winter Olympics is so different. It's so unique. It's, um, well, I suppose we can say the same thing about the Summer Olympics because none of us ever really watch athletics. None of us ever really watch, uh, I don't know, all that kind of, the Olympics is a variety of things that isn't kind of on like leagues and cups and that kind of stuff. So we all get very excited for that. The Winter Olympics is even more niche. It's like the hipster version of the Olympics because there's all kinds of things in snow with strange countries that you've never heard of because they're covered in snow. And it's just such a cool event because it's so niche. So we're going to talk about that today. Dwayne Vermeulen is coming back to the Stormers and therefore the Springboks. That's a big rugby story. And uh, I don't know if you've lost interest in the story or you've just kind of forgotten about it because of the uh, end of year break. But Alistair could see Well, we, we're meant to know what's going on with this guy. Is he getting fired? Is he staying on? Is he a certainty for the 2019 World Cup? Well, it's all gone very, very quiet. But one man who isn't afraid to throw out speculation, and obviously he's close to the ground, so to speak, down in Cape Town with rugby matters, it is Tank Learning. So we're going to talk to Tank today because he has, on social media, actually made some sort of claims about what's going on from the things he's heard. So we'll get Tank just to kind of give us some insights on what's going on, what he has been hearing from various uh, people. And then finally, I'm going to talk about golf. Yeah, this week was a great week for golf. It's, uh, well, if you follow me on my various channels, which I hope you do, uh, I'm not going to punt it. I haven't got the information. I haven't got the, the, the energy right now, but you'll have seen that I've been covering the redevelopment or revamping of Royal Johannesburg and Kensington's East Golf Course. Now, this place is very special to me. When I first came up to Joburg, when I was, well, I wouldn't say much younger, but it was like 15 years ago, I used to play golf probably once a year and, um, got onto the East Course there. After nine holes, got completely rained out, so my friends left, and I thought, I'm going to go have a look at the other nine. So in wet, horrible, soggy conditions, I went out there by myself, and it, it just struck me as the most special golfing place 
that I've come to in this country because it's your old classic Parklands layout. I know there's some amazing coastal venues. And, of course, you consider Leopard Creek, which is obviously right on Kruger National Park. South Africa is well known for its incredible golfing destinations and institutions, really. So, Royal Johannesburg Kensington, it is, I think it's, I really should know this. I've been working on this course so long. Uh, early 1900s, uh, Bob Grimsdale, he put it together. And it's always been a classic, but now it's been revamped. And I tell you what, it's one of the greatest things that I've ever come across in golf. So, I'll get into that towards the latter stages of the show. Um, as you know, golf means so much to me. And to see a course go through the transitions, it really was pretty special. But first, we must get into the crickets um, for many, many, many good reasons. Now, I know the big talk right now is all about, well, you know, home ground advantage in test cricket is ruining the sport, ruining the, the code, so to speak. And South Africa obviously are beating India right now. But uh, all my Indian followers are telling me, well, it means nothing because the Proteas were useless, far more useless in India. Plus, they've never won a World Cup, blah, 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 blah. There's been a lot of shit slinging around, which has been made for some pretty interesting conversations. I really do appreciate the banter. Most of it has been in good in good spirit. Uh, and for some reason, I think people in India think it's an insult to the kind of reminders about Hansi Crenier. Yeah, not really. I think we, we've all moved on. We've all admitted all that kind of stuff. So, we, I mean, I think... Proteus fans have become some of the hot, most hardened sports fans in the world because we've endured so much. And I'm talking about the ICC chokes, uh, Champions Trophy, World Cup, all that kind of stuff, all of the various chokes, and obviously the whole hand match fixing thing. You know, we've, we've had it, we've had our downs. So you can try kickers. It's not really going to hurt. So you got to try very, very hard. But I tell you who does have to try very, very hard nowadays. Well, at the moment is even, and even more so is the Indian team. So the pitch was a big deal because it, Fafjuplasi asked for pace and he asked for bounce. He kind of got neither at Centurion. So, you know, obviously there's huge speculation that the BCCI had a bit of a say in this, saying, well, you know, it's not going to be much of a series if it's very one-sided and if Curly's not scoring runs. Depending on which side you look at sport, from a cynical nature or you want to be optimistic, whatever it may be, this pitch was a bit, it was it was weird. I mean, Ashwin bowled 31 overs in the first day. The first day, not the first, like, it just, it seems strange, but still, the Proteas right now, they'll beat you on anything, I think. I think they're a very good side. They've got a nice balance to going. And most importantly, there's young talent. So going into the Centurion test, Kakisa Rabada was named, well, awarded, ranked the number one bowler in test cricket, which, I mean, as you know, we've had Dale Stain up there from a South African perspective for quite some time. But Kakisa Rabada, he's 22 years old. Now, I know when it comes to South African sports, Race and certain demographics are always brought into this. But just for a second there, let's just look at his age and age alone because there's various things that are exciting about the, the young prospects coming up in SA sport. But just consider this. What were you doing at the age of 22? And you can even ask this of like a top sports star. At age of 22, to be at the top of your game in the world, it really is just something to absolutely like be so excited about. And then as this was happening and everyone was going on about this, uh, Lungi and Gidi got given his debut because Delton obviously he's out with a heel injury. And rather than going for say, uh, Petla Quayo as more of an all-rounder, they went for Ngidi because home ground advantage, he's an out and out quick bowler. And well, we all know what happened after that. The guy got his debut. He took the opportunity and boy, was he impressive. Just so, so impressive. Everybody I spoke to about this guy. I mean, everyone's going on about how he obviously he's the future. And a whole variety of other things. And, um, look, I think he's more than the future. I think he's just a great example of how, you know, South Africa are starting to produce 
really good stars from a variety of backgrounds. Now, I know the dream in SA is that we can have loads of black players coming through from a variety of backgrounds. The reality is that cricket's a very tough game. It's very competitive. So you've got to be in some of the traditional cricketing schools. This is the whole thing about transformation. It's not about just picking people who look a certain way. It's about getting them into development structures. So uh, Kakisa Rabada... Uh, Lungingiri, these guys all went to good schools. This is how we all focus our talents towards this because we can put so much, so much into this whole talent funnel, so to speak. And if it comes out looking like Akisarabada and Lungingiri, I think this, this country is, well, well, I think every other test nation is going to be a little bit scared. Let's just get the thoughts of Lungingiri after that amazing debut at Centurion. It's a dream come true, really. Uh, I actually had goosebumps. Um, and the way I took it, I mean, you know, I was talking to Vernon in terms of game plans of how to actually get that wicket. And, you know, listening to someone with so much knowledge and, and it actually planning out exactly the way he was telling me, and I just had to execute the skill, you know, it really made me really happy and believe that, you know, I can actually perform at this level. And it really is a dream come true, that's all I can say. With the bat, I think we, we fought pretty well at the end, um, you know, to scrape past 300. That was a good effort for our, from us in the tail. And then with the ball, I think we've also done pretty well. I mean, to have them five down at the end of day's play, that's, that's probably, we'll take that position any day. I mean, from what we saw um, from day one, what the wicket was like, uh, we knew that it was going to be tough. But um, I'd say it's, it's, it's a very good day all in all. So the more you listen to this guy, the more you realize that this isn't just a talent in the field. I reckon this guy's got a good head in his shoulders. So obviously, I you know, when it comes to cricket, I interact with people on Twitter a hell of a lot. And I think cricket's one of those sports where you can really get conversations going because there is just so much to talk about. It's quite an easy game to understand once you get through the basics of how things are obviously operate in a scoring perspective, obviously. But I think, you know, out of all the sports that I interact on, you don't get the conversations like you're getting cricket. One of the interesting things that did come up and obviously going back to the whole, you know, um, racial background for South African sports is that you get people saying like, you know, we must toss out more cool and stay. We don't need these guys. We've got all these young talents like Ngidi coming through, but he touched on something there about touching on experience. You know, here's a young guy, you know, coming into this, this test match and Ngidi had played nine first class matches. So well, the guy hasn't exactly been around at any level, let alone international level. The talent is there, but there's no point bringing talent to where he can't be nurtured. So he has so much to learn from the international game. You know, he spoke about Vernon Philander giving him on-field advice about how to go about something. It resulted in a wicket. And you're telling me that this guy isn't tapping into Dale Stay and Mornay Mork or all those guys in the net. Of course he is. This is how strong teams become strong, stay strong, and get stronger, is that they bring the next level in so that they can actually really kind of capitalize on the existing levels. So when we have depth, you must never, ever throw away experience. You must never, ever think that like, okay, well, this guy's past his best. Cricket is a team game, ultimately. You listen to Lungi talk, there's a team ethos in there. And there's a reason why I'm putting a lot of time into giving this as an intro for the next set of, uh, of clips, is that this Proteus team seems to have that great team understanding all the time. I know Maybe this is just us being overly positive from a South African perspective because SA are playing India in South African conditions. But it's a great example of what's going on right now, how this team is working together. All the batsmen, sure, none of them have scored 100 yet in the series. Pitches have been quite tough. Adam Markham came really close. AB's shown flashes of, of brilliance. But the whole thing is that these guys are chipping together. And Faftu Pasir, it touches on that very point, the very point, actually, when it comes down to the difference between the two teams. And this is what he's got to say about that. 
As a general, our team has performed, everyone's chipped in. Uh, we feel as opposition, India is very reliant on Vera to score runs. Um, so that's the difference in terms of the, I mean, AB scored runs, Dean scored runs, I've scored runs, Aiden scored runs, um, everyone's chipped in. It's been, the first test was bowling friendly conditions where both teams bowled really well. But I thought this test match, on, on, like I said, on a wicket that supposed to not suit seam bowling a lot, the, the areas that our bowlers bowled were fantastic. And, and I suppose we've got probably a little bit more pace, which helps. Um, they've got one or two guys, but I feel we've got three plus Vernon, which, is, which Vernon offers you all that control. So I feel this, the difference between us and them is just we rely on not just one guy, but as a team we've been better. You know, you can almost see that as like a subtle burn because that's exactly what this Indian team is, is failing with right now. So just to finish it off, I'm so excited about the talent coming through and I'm so excited that talent is coming through to a structure where you know it's going to be nurtured, you know it's going to be developed, you know it's going to go from strength to strength. How often have we seen the Springboks where young talent comes into a structure that's not settled enough, it's not established enough, and it's definitely not confident enough. Young talent then goes into cut game plans it's forced to kind of like survive and it's just churning at the top level. Whereas look at our cricket team. It's just a great example of how you can get the depth just right. You get the talent in the right places and you get everyone firing together. India on the other hand. Well, we all know India is essentially Virat Kohli. Virat Kohli maybe didn't like Anil Kumble as the coach. What happened? Kumble was no longer the coach. In comes Shastri, which was exactly what the doctor ordered for Kohli, perhaps. So the more this thing goes on, and let's let's be straight up about this. I I love what Virat Kohli brings to cricket. He's exciting. He's he's a dumbass. He's a hero. He's like a hothead. He's a nice guy. Like he's a variety of things. He's like. He's like, it was like a Dr. Seuss character. He's great. I, I, I love him on the field. I really do. And it's great to see that he scored the 150 in that second test. But I always kind of wonder, like, is this guy, is he a good captain? Because it's one thing about having a star player and one thing about having a captain. They're not the same thing. You know, we never saw players like Brian Laura being good captains. Tendulkar didn't become a good captain. Chuck Cullis was a very reluctant captain. And therefore, none of these guys became captains and stayed captains. Same thing here. I, I just always think that Kohli is trying so hard to lead this team, and we see it in how he acts out. He's trying so hard to be everything for this team. And it's almost like no one else knows how to follow the, the lead. You know, we saw it as well with, with A.B. de Villas as a captain. I don't think he's a great captain because he's a star player who needs to express himself in a certain way. I don't think A.B. is like any other player. Same with Kohli. These guys are extremely special individuals in a talent perspective. I don't know if they're team men, though. So here's... um. Here's Virat just opening up about, uh, you know, but, you know, backing selections, that kind of stuff. And just a general feeling about his team after that loss in the second test. Look, when something doesn't work, obviously it's going to be spoken against. So, you know, we're pretty used to that. We as a team don't uh, think of, you know, what the opinion going around is. And I've clarified that before also. There are many people that are involved in making a decision for the playing 11. A lot was spoken about Bhuvi as well, but Shami performed in this game. So now no one's talking about that. So, you know, it's all about um, whoever goes out to the field and performs. Uh, we obviously look at the conditions that we're playing in and we decide as a management group and the captain, myself, sitting together, that what is the best 11 we can take on the field. And then we don't sit back and think, oh, we could have done that or we should have done that. You make one decision and you back it. You know, it's, it's, it's always uh, that scenario. 
So there he is. Just I wouldn't say he's in the back foot because another thing about this guy, he doesn't have a lot of fear. He, he backs himself as well as backing things that go on in his team. But then, obviously, you know, with the Indian tour comes a, a pretty decent press contingent from India itself. And, you know, the, the, these guys are cricket mad. And when I say cricket mad, sometimes it's, it's, it's more madness that comes out of anything. So as Kohli's now obviously trying to defend what's, what's going on, he then gets into well, a slightly more tougher line of questioning about his team chopping and changing and his response, absolute gold. Okay, sorry, the audio of the reporter is not very good. But basically, he's saying the last couple of years, you know, you've got a formula together where your team works in subcontinent pitches, but, you know, you keep chopping and changing your team now, and now it's leading to losses. Like, is this a good thing to keep changing the formula when you're away from home? So what's the best 11? You won that to win this match. Was it your best 11? That's what. But if we had won this, was this, was this the best 11? Again, you haven't won this. Look, I'm saying that we don't decide 11 according to results. So my question was about the pitch. Like, yeah, but you're saying you, you are, you're telling me you could have played the best 11. So you tell me the best 11 will play that. I'm saying the loss obviously hurts. But you make one decision and you back it. You know, we, we certainly don't sit here and say, oh, if you fail in one game, you're, you're not good enough to be at this level. Or once the team loses, didn't we lose in India? We had the best 11 there. So... Uh, whoever plays should be good enough to go out there and do the job for the team. And that's why we've got such a big squad because we believe in their abilities. And they are good enough to be at this level, but you need to do that collectively as a team. You can't pinpoint and say this is the best 11. You know, we played with teams before uh, which have looked really strong and we've lost as well. So um, I certainly don't bend towards uh, that opinion at all. So now this get a little bit hotter. And this is where he starts getting, you can see these guys get really annoyed with the repetition of questions that come from these various journalists. So he's already like defended his team selections. He's already spoken about the fact that he has, he has faith in the players he's backing. And, uh, from there, you know, you can't think anything more, but these guys kind of just keep prodding him. So here it was saying like, you know, there's the team selection does keep changing. And again, they keep grilling him on that and see his response now. Saying each and every test, new team, you know, is this a good thing? Lacking consistency is the what general consensus here from this reporter. How, how would you basically say that you guys will continue changing your team <clears throat> and you will still expect different results? How many test matches have we won out of 30? How many have you changed this? How many have we won? How many have we won? 21 wins. Yeah. Two losses. Yeah. How many draws? How many in India? It doesn't matter. Wherever we play, we try to do our best. Thank you, sir. I'm here to answer your questions, man, not a fight with you. And then it's obviously talking about the pitches and about how Virat Kohli and his team have done terribly overseas. And this is where it carries on. Does he believe it's still the best team in the world? I have to believe that we are you know, the best side. Because uh, even when we came here, if you don't have the belief that you can win the series here, there's no point coming here. You know, we've not come here to just to participate. And uh, answering your question, sir, how many times did South Africa come into the game in India? Coming close to winning games in India. Can you count? But, you know, we are not complaining about Cape Town either. The game was finished in three days. One was a washout. So, look, we are not complaining about pitches. We are not complaining about conditions. We have come here to play. Um... 
as i said we've had equal opportunities to win uh, in both the games and that's the positive we can take out of this but i'm not sitting here comforting my guys so i don't know what you're listening to but uh, i'm asking everyone to be hard on themselves on themselves so credit to um credit to Coley and uh for quick buzz they've put together all those clips on youtube so Coley's not really he's not complaining about the pitches now when sa toured india and look let's be honest those pitches were terrible they were dreadful they were turning square out from the start it's basically you're just picking like all this all the spinners and the icc did say that the 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 pitches weren't weren't great. So like what Coley's saying is, is that he's not bitching about the pitches. And as the interview got a bit more get deeper and he got a bit more frustrated, he was actually preferencing or referencing how SA didn't even come close. At least India are coming close on home ground pitches. So love him, hate him, don't care about him, whatever it is. I think he's just he's a great guy to have on tour like this. I just wish his team would back him up a bit more. But then again, I just don't think he's a good enough captain for this current team. So um that's another, yeah, that's a discussion for another time. Before we leave cricket though, before we leave this, because we need to chat to Tank about the current rugby situation and, uh, obviously Rassi Erasmus is now in charge at Saru from an execution perspective. I will leave you with this one thought and I'm going to write an article about this, but I almost feel test cricket has got to the stage where that Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight was. You've got Floyd Mayweather as a boxer. You've got Conor McGregor as the MMA mixed martial arts guy. How do these guys have a fair fight? Well, they don't, because in a boxing world, Mayweather's going to win. In the MMA world, McGregor's going to win. Those two things cannot be disputed. So I almost feel Test Cricket has got to this point now. When you're playing India versus SA in India, India's going to win, right? Because they're going to bolster the team with the spinners. They're going to have dust ball pitches. Done deal. When these two teams play in South Africa, you're going to get hard, fast, bouncy, pacey, seeming wickets, and South Africa are going to win. Again, you can't dispute those two things. So how do we, using the whole Mayweather-McGregor um, reference, how do we create a balance? Like, it's got to the point now where everyone's saying, well, at least the, the away team should pick what they want to do at the toss, if they want to bat first and want to bowl first. Because a lot of the time, obviously batting first gives you a, a clear advantage. I mean, I think it's six out of the last six test matches at Centurion, the team batting first wins. So... To go back to the McGregor-Mayweather fight um, as a reference, what if they had to have a six-round fight? One round was boxing, one round was MMA. You know, like I know this is a crazy idea, but we're trying to create level playing fields. That's all it comes down to. Similarly, when these two teams play, how about making one end of the pitch grassy and seamer-friendly and the other end sort of more scratchy and spinner-friendly? I know it's not going to happen, but it's almost like it's going to this point now because people are saying test cricket is becoming too predictable. And then it comes to the whole thing of, well, it doesn't matter if we win, if we don't win away from home, we'll always win at home. So look, test cricket is still exciting. I find this India SA test series so far has been very good. It's been very intriguing cricket, but ultimately it comes down to it. These away records for teams is just dreadful. I know India's is particularly dreadful. I mean, I think they've, they've won two, lost 18. In the last uh, last decade, when it comes to test matches, so I don't know. There should be a solution around this. I don't know. Maybe we can keep talking about. It, maybe keep thinking about it. But uh, whatever it may be, I just think that I would hate for the greatest format of the game to get to the point where it's predictable. People don't really care, and it's almost like you they just laugh off the chances of their way team. Virat Kohli is saying, I think many of the right things. He says, look, we're coming here to win. We're not going to bitch about the pitches, but obviously it's going to favor the home team. 
you know, Fafdu Pasiza arguing on the other side is he told the groundsman he wants pace and bounce. He didn't get pace and bounce. So there's a lot of issues here, but it's almost becoming a little bit too sideshow. I'd love to see contrasting uh, skills coming up for a really great com- combative affair, bat and ball. Because we have that with Australia versus SA because the conditions are similar. We have that, say, with England and SA because conditions are similar. You'll see that with maybe Sri Lanka and India. You know, this, I don't want Test cricket going that route. I think that's what I'm really getting down to. Before we get into Tank, though, so I played a little clip that I forgot to play for you a few weeks back. And obviously it touches on uh, drinking, which is obviously England and Australia re- um, relevant. This isn't really for Indian fans. But uh, it's Kevin Peterson's take on drinking culture within sports teams and how it should be managed rather than sort of, um, I don't know, controlled. You have to enjoy your career. You're away from home so much. You're not in your own bed. You have to enjoy your career. You cannot just be hotel, team coach, dressing room, practice, play, journalism, hotel, food. You just can't do it. It's, it's just not in you. So you've got to go out there and you've got to pick your moments. And when you pick them, you take that pink ticket and you have a good go. If I was a coach, if I was a leader of a group of, of players, you'd give them that rope. And if you're going to go and hang yourself, you'll hang yourself. Um, and that would be my message to the players if I was a coach. Um, would that be you do what you want? Do whatever you want. Obviously, don't get caught drinking at 2 o'clock in the morning before a game. Don't get caught fighting in the streets. Don't get caught doing things that you shouldn't be doing before the games. If you go and damage the reputation of my team, then I'd have issues. We had a, when we had the great tour down under in 2009, 2010... Uh, we had the most incredible uh, couple of nights out at the start of that tour, which brought the team so close together. And before the 2013 trip, we were talking about having similar nights out to just sort of get the team involved, get them bonded. But obviously it was too intense going into the 2013 series and uh, down under. And those sort of opportunities didn't present themselves or weren't allowed to present themselves, which caused issues because I actually think that when you go out as a team and you go out as senior players and junior players, you can get the bonds so close together. And I know that it sounds really stupid, but you're going to get hammered as a team on a night out. As long as you don't end up doing something ridiculously stupid, the bonds that you can create there are better than any ridiculous session that you're going to do in the forest in Germany. Damn right, KP dispensing some timeless knowledge there. And that's why the European Ryder Cup team has been so much better than the Americans over the years. The guys get hammered together. Anyway, enough about that. We must get into rugby because there's been some big things happening. Well, maybe more under the surface. We've got Tank landing on the line. Tank, thanks for joining us. Hey, Ben. Uh, top of 218 for you. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's, it's the 18th of, of Jan. So I think we can skip through the pleasantries, but I hope you did a great festive season. <laughs> Tank, the, the, there is so much I feel like could be smoldering under the surface right now in SA Rugby, but if you were to just troll the internet, there's not a lot of news or not even a lot, a lot of speculation. Now, we we left 2017 with Alistair not Again, like Saru almost like hid the story under the carpet. Well, he's had a performance review, but we'll kind of tell you more about it next year. Well, we are in next year. Uh, from what I gather, there was another performance review this week. Is there anything that we know or anything that like a slight sort of tidbit here and there about the guy's future? Um, certainly not officially, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Total crickets from the governing body. Um, but as I understand it, uh, from a relatively well-placed source, um, uh, it's, it's Gonski for the entire regime. You know? Alistair, uh, Matt Parsons, even Franco Smith. Um, 
uh, I think that the time has come. Um, I think uh, Sorry knew that uh, toward the end of last year, but uh, as was speculated, they were just uh, dotting I's and crossing T's, literally in terms of contractual discussions in trying to get out of a, uh, a big payment. So right. As I understand it, um, that's gone. And then, you know, there was talk about uh, an interim coach. Uh, well, there was, there was, initially there was talk about Dion David coming in from the Kings to take over immediately. Then there was, then there was talk of an interim coach. But uh, my understanding is that uh, while Rusty has been brought in as the director of rugby, he will in fact be um, much more hands-on and actually take the Springboks to to 219, and he'll then go to his go-to guys in the Moby unit before he left South Africa. I think it'll be that sort of crowd that comes in, and then in that period, uh, groom someone to take over uh, after Japan 219. Well, I can kind of gather what Saru might want to like to do there because Rusty's coming in. They're going to pay him obviously a shit ton of money to come back from Ireland. I'd rather be like, okay, well, Rusty, let's make this your thing, and let's make sure that you know you'll be the person where this this happens under the, the firing, so to speak. But like, I, do you agree with the whole regime having to go? You know, do you think that? I mean, let's just say hypothetically speaking, that is going to be the the fate of this all. Do you, do you think it's a it's a productive thing to do to get rid of all of them, or um, was it just Alistair in your mind that should have gone or should go? Then uh, I'm happy for it all to go. You know, um, it was a desperate of real horribleness uh, for the last two years. Um, you know, driven by a truly poor appointing of, of Alistair Kutsi. I mean, what, name one thing that, that pointed to him being good enough to take, you know, one of the top three now top seven. <laughs> Yeah. in the world. Um, you know, for me, it, it, it was a cop-out and it was um, just going with someone who was willing to accept the terms put to him. In effect, I, I think he, he wanted the job too much. And from there on in, when you're trying to appoint people underneath him because the guy above him is not good enough, I think it all went very pear-shaped and I understand that, it's, you know, it, it, it's not a great environment. So, the person I feel sorry for is Franco Smith. I do think there's there's a lot to him and a lot more to him than we have seen. But in in Penta, Proudfoot and Kutia, you know, uh, you know, uh, let's let's be bygones there. Maybe Smith can be put into a uh, you know maybe an under twenty role, or you know, I'd keep him involved. But the, the other three, I think, must go, and we must start with, with something fresh. And the names that have come through uh, uh, with 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 Rusty uh, as people that will be involved, like Peter Davila's scrum coach. Um, uh, uh, I, I, I like the sound of it. Yeah, well, I see Antoine Stick's name has come back. Now, did he, he was kind of exiled for more experience. Do you think him bringing back now is a good idea or is it um, but more so sort of window dressing like last time? Well, yeah, I mean, that it remains to be seen. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, we're all adults here. I mean, we 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 dressing wrongs of the past through through various systems. Yeah. Um. I think how how stick was handled under Alice Castillo was was literally hanging him out to dry. Sure. Um. So that was a shocker. I'm hoping that this time around, um, you know, there's a lot of people that they see a lot of value in stick and in, in that he he thinks differently about the game. And if he if any and without sounding condescending, sure, because it sounds horrible, you know, without being, you know, if he's mentored into a role. Um, under people like like Rattiera, I mean, sure, but you, I think that's how you how, how you groom people in a developmental sort of role instead of just hanging them out to dry at the top level. 
Yeah. Well, it is a bit of a worry. But um, one of the story, obviously, is, is making the news and it is confirmed that everyone's getting onto it is Dwayne Vermeulen coming back. Now, I mean, we could talk about this for about half an hour, but the one point I want to bring up with you is, does this open up the captaincy kind of conundrum for you in that, you know, obviously now it's more of a three, maybe four horse race? Or, you know, is it going to be very simple that Dwayne is coming back on the assurance that he probably has been given the captaincy? Sorry, we're going from confirmation back to speculation, but <laughs> I wanted to ask you anyway. <laughs> yeah, look, I must say, it opens up a, a can of worms, but a nice can of worms, I think. Um, for me, uh, Eben was interim. Um, slight uh, mistake there. I mean, Siakalisi would have been a fantastic, it was a nice opportunity to groom him um, and, and, and give him a leadership role. So, so uh, you know, Eben hasn't been at his best. I think let's let him focus on the, on the engine room. Yeah, I um, you probably, uh, yeah, I mean, you're probably right in terms of Dwayne being promised the captaincy. I mean, Rusty really thinks very highly of him. Um, whether he'll be play eight or seven is probably the biggest conundrum. You know, you've got a whole lot of, a whole host of players that can play seven, but if we're going to play a rangy eight like Whiteley, um, you know, then, then Dwayne can certainly play a role at seven in the, in the old fashioned blunderbuss, Willem Albert's kind of uh, school. And I do think the box are better with a, with a massive ball-carrying seven. So that could yeah. work. And then you'd have Whiteley and Vermeulen in the same side. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a big call. But, I mean, you know, having got back into the coaching side of things, I think these days you deal with a, with a, with a leadership group, be it sort of two, three, four, maybe even five players, and you pick your top side, uh, your side that, that, that fits the uh, parameters that weekend, and out of that you pick your captain. And I, instead of just, you know, being so obsessed with with a single captain, which then limits you in selection, I'm kind of hoping that they'll have a leadership group which will involve those two, um, and then you pick your captain on the day. Yeah, I agree. We don't have to have this thing. It's not like you're making a CEO of, of a of a company. You know, this is rugby. Yeah. It's a team sport. There's various dynamic ways of going about things. Like I, I wouldn't go the route of maybe how the Stormers have done it. You know, the, the start two captain kind of things. I don't know if that benefited or hindered or whatever the team was. But I think it's just about being open and mature about it. Two words we don't often associate with SA rugby, but I mean, maybe now's the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you spot on. Look, I don't like the the route. <laughs> But this almost took that co-captaincy thing for me as the bird. Um, yeah, as I say, I mean, I, I think a leadership group, um, you know, that is decided upon by both the, the, the player group and, and, and the management group. And then out of that, you have a strong understanding of, of how things work, uh, both on and off the field. And then, yeah, as you say, maturely, you can then just pick the right guy for the job every weekend. Yeah. All right, Tank, thanks so much. I think that's, um, it's given us something at least because, you know, like Super Rugby now obviously is going to take place, what, just less than a month away. So us, us rugby fans need something, you know, we need something to kind of just nibble on it at the very least. Uh, anything new that we should be knowing about you online? Any articles, places to look at you, look at your stuff for the next few months? Uh, no, it's pretty much the same as, uh, 217 Ben. I'm, uh, going to carry on, uh, running the show at, at All Out Rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that'll be sort of a stats and, and, and ratings based part. And then also, obviously, the blog and, and the Twitter side of things on Front Row Grunt. Cool. That's at Front Row Grunt on uh, Twitter and obviously the personal tag, uh, Tank Landing. Thanks, Tank. Uh, yeah, I, I really hope we can have some more positive SA, SA rugby stories this year. Yes, to that, Ben. Only a pleasure. Cool, man. Chat soon. Ciao. All right. So how about that? Hey? The whole management team will just be given the ask quite soon. I mean, look, Rusty's obviously going to come back. He's not going to come back to play yes, man. So 
I'm excited, but I'm excited in the same way maybe the ANC is turning around in South Africa. You like this, this change, but I mean, how much can really change because things have been kind of gone, well, away or astray. Sorry, I almost said array. Uh, that's what Ben Stokes was um, charged with. Anyway, we're just getting to Winter Olympics. And like I said at the start of the show, I'm bloody excited about the Winter Olympics. I know for a lot of people, it's like, Ugh, what is it? You know, is there anything to even care about? Is it even a thing? Well, I ran a poll on the bounce.ca around this, and uh, there was a few options there that people would vote on. How excited are you about the Winter Olympics? The options were very, I'll watch a bit, not interested, is this still a thing? And the results to that poll were top of the pops there on 45%. Is this still a thing? Okay, so clearly I'm in the minority here about being excited about this. 23% said they're not interested whatsoever. 19% said I'll watch a bit. And 13% said very. Well, on the back of that, maybe I shouldn't even mention the, the Winter Olympics. But you know what? Screw it. Let's give this a go. It's going to be exciting. If nothing else, it's going to be in South Korea. So they are, I don't know, six, seven hours ahead of us. But it all started back in 1924 in Chamonix. So basically, the Winter Olympics just looks like what rich people do. It's like the rich people Olympics because, I mean, if you're in a country where you do skiing, I mean, you're pretty loaded. So it's been to a variety of interesting places. Uh, of course, Pyeongchang, which is in South Korea, is where it's going to be in exactly three weeks today. So 21 days till that gets going. Last time around, it was in Sochi in Russia, which is basically this contrived venue. Uh, there was a whole state's doping thing, which is horrible. So this is an important time for the Winter Olympics to kind of get things back on track. Uh, unfortunately, the Russians have made sports and the Olympic movement in general very dodgy uh, over the last sort of decade or so. So out of all the participating countries, there um, right, I've got stats on this. There will be 102 events uh, in 15 different sports in, in Pyeongchang. And, uh, well, some of the events, just to kind of give you a rundown of what the events are, a lot of these sports you won't see ever, like I said, other than the four years of the Winter Olympics. So you've got alpine skiing, that's obviously a big one. The biathlon, it's all in snow skiing. Bobsled, that's exciting. Cross-country skiing, curling. Now, the exciting thing about curling is we now have mixed doubles in curling. I know. Can you believe it? In our lifetime, mixed doubles, curling, figure skating, freestyle skiing, ice hockey, the luge. Another thing about the ice hockey is that Korea has a unified, united ice hockey team. So the women will be playing south and north on one team. Ain't that a thing? Now, people were saying they weren't quite keen to go to South Korea for the Winter Olympics because of the tensions between north and south and the whole missile thing, whatever. Well, it looks like North are actually trying very hard to kind of be decent and maybe assimilate to the world again. Many believe it's because they are actually shit scared that America might bomb them. So they all seem to be, you know, behaving themselves. So in ice hockey, you'll see a joint Korean team. The Koreans will actually come out under one flag for the opening ceremony. This is another thing that's been happening recently. There's been a lot of talks between the two countries and uh, it looks like they are starting to kind of become more unified, which is really cool. So ice hockey luge, Nordic combined. Now, I don't even know what that is, but you know, I'm willing to watch it. I don't know what they're combining, the Nordics, but I've got to think that it's got to be around shooting. Um, I mean, like they do everything other than eat a, a, a deer's heart in this, in the Winter Olympics. I mean, it really is that exciting. Short track speed skating. There's also a new event with multiple entries around the speed skating. So that is, you know, it's going to be exciting because someone's going to fall and take down 20 other people with them. It's great. The skeleton is basically the luge for like, you know, 
hard hard bastards. Uh, ski jumping, that's always good. Snowboarding, snowboarding's got a new event. It's the Max Air Snowboarding. So, I mean, like the Winter Olympics is moving with the times. It's got so much for us to look out for. And then just general speed skating. So, yeah, those are some of the events you can look out for. Unfortunately, it seems that not a lot of tickets have been sold, but they're about 65% on capacity there. And if you are looking to go to the Winter Olympics, I mean, you can get absolute discount deals. And in Seoul, uh, South Korea in general, they're putting together this massive shopping festival to try and entice more people. So I, I'm all for that. I, I mean, I really think it's a great initiative. And if you are looking for a decent, um, oh, I'd say like a, definitely a bucket list kind of experience, I'll go with that. Just going back to the number of countries that are participating, there'll be 89 teams. So there'll be 88 nations and then one team, which is full of those dodgy Russians or the clean ones, that is. Sorry, I take it back. They'll be under the IOC flag. So 89 central nations taking part all in all. So it takes place three weeks time, Pyeongchang, I'm excited about this. I hope you are too. Ecuador, Eritrea, Kosovo, Malaysia, and Singapore are all debuting. It's it's going to be great. It really is. I'm going to be giving daily or weekly updates, at the very least, uh, on the Gareth Cliff Show, which is obviously here on Cliff Central as well. So it's going to be great. I'm going to have lots of visual stuff on my different platforms because a lot of these events are just so cool. Even the mascots, they've got like snow tigers and, uh, anyway, let's get into the final, final bit for the show this week. I told you at the start that I played golf at Royal Johannesburg in Kensington, uh, the East Course. So it's been an absolute gem for so many years. It's hosted many SA Opens. It's hosted the Joburg Open more famously more recently. And I believe, and I'm not just saying this because I'm being caught up in the moment of obviously playing a new golf course and, you know, kind of falling in love with the place all over again. But 2023, if you look at the rotation of the President's Cup, you know, obviously every four years it's gone to international uh, destination. Since it was played at the Lynx, which was the best President's Cup I've ever had, when obviously Tiger and Ernie were playing out to a draw in the darkness and there was a shared tie, uh, well, it, it was tied, the competition that year. Uh, since then, it's gone to Australia, it's gone to Canada, it's gone to Asia. I don't see this, this playing of this tournament going to South, South Korea. Uh, I just don't see it happening. I don't see it going to India. I just don't. With what South Africa's given global golf and obviously the pedigree of guys like Ernie, guys like Gary Player and uh, all the rest. And with the young guns coming up, it has to come back to South Africa, President's Cup 2023. So when I got to play the course on Tuesday, and I make no exaggerations here, the attention to detail, the sheer scale of brilliance that is from start to finish there. So what they did was that there was no massive like design changes. They just put in new greens and they changed the bunkers up. So you get plush white, soft sand, very winter Olympics, uh, very puffy and white. You got beautiful, perfect greens. I never played on greens like this in my whole life. And I've played some really great golf courses, but you've got some small athletic changes here and there. The golf course just looks like it's it just it looks like one of those big championship courses you see on TV. I know you can say that for many places. Obviously, Glendower just hosted SA, SA Open, and that is a great golf course in its own right. But there's something particularly special about uh, Royal East right now. It's almost like it's like playing golf in HD. And unfortunately, the videos that I've taken with the drone, the various pictures that you can see online or on my YouTube channel around it, it looks good. It doesn't look incredible. When you stand in that first tee and you start playing, it is incredible. There's a different kind of green. The trees are just that much, like, just sharper. Everything's amazing. And it's, it's a proven championship golf course. It is a golf course that is open to the public, of course, which, you know, a great thing about playing golf in Johannesburg. So it is a place that you can go and play as of this Saturday is the actual members opening. So from there next week, obviously they'll be taking bookings. 
but I really do recommend that you get on down and just experience what is essentially a club full of very progressive people. And this is something that I find very interesting about Royal is that there's a lot of doom and gloom around SA Golf. This is a big takeout for me from going to this golf course. People are saying the, the the game is dying. People aren't joining clubs. They're not enjoying the experience of going to play golf. They're not family friendly. Uh, you know, there's a variety of naysayers and people are saying like, you know, just golf's not doing great right now. The fact that there's been so much faith in this golf club, the, the, the fact that they've made such a massive investment is testament to the fact that this game is alive and well and there's people out there who love it and you too can be involved as well. So if you are in the Joburg area, just go to Royal... Oh, it says R-O-A. I can't even spell. <laughs> you always get like this late in the show. R-O-Y-A-L-J-K.Z-A.com. You can make a booking there. You can inquire about memberships. It is a great golf course. There's two courses. Of, obviously, there's the east and there's the west. Um, it was one of my greatest golf experiences. This is why I'm gushing about it. It's one of my greatest golf experiences in ever, I would say. The company was great. The setting is incredible. And just the way that golf course has been set up and where it's been changed. Um, yeah, I mean, listen to me. I'm talking like a child. Just open a really great Christmas present. If you're in the area, get involved. Lastly, on the golfing front, uh, February the 2nd, um, this is one guest that I can confirm that will be on the show, unlike today, which we kind of, you know, lost out on a big guest. Not important. But, uh, Joe Miller, he's one of the greatest world's long drive champ golfers. Uh, he won the title, I think it was two years ago now. He will be in South Africa next Friday, sorry, Friday the 2nd of Feb. I will have some one-on-one time with him, which I'll get an interview for us. But also happening on the same day, if you are in Johannesburg, and I'm saying this to you now because I value my podcast listeners maybe more than anyone else because I enjoy the fact you guys make an effort to listen to this. But if you email me, Ben at the bounce.co.za. You can be one of the exclusive guests for the Puma Demo Day. Now, Puma Cobra, uh, Ricky Fowler, obviously look at all the clubs and the clothes he wears, all that kind of stuff. You can see all the latest and greatest stuff from that range. I will be there. It's a great way to just come out, hit golf balls, you know, beer on tap. There'll be DJs. It's a really cool day. World of Golf in Woodmead. Fantastic uh, facility. So you can try out all the new uh, Cobra clubs the new f8 driver is well, it's sensational it's one of the hottest faces you'll ever hit a golf ball off all the new clubs will be available literally rock up hit whatever you like you can find out about golf fitments you can find out about all these different things world of golf 2nd of february 12 until 5 p.m you can be a part of this day but you've got to act there's very limited um spots here it's essentially it's a trade day but i will be able to take a few guests along so email me ben at the bounce.co.za if you want to be a part of this if you are in the greater johannesburg area February the 2nd, it's a Friday. It's a great way to start the weekend, 12 until 5, World of Golf. Mail me. That is it for the show today, this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Otherwise, uh, well, go onto my YouTube channel if you want at Follow the Bounce. More stuff coming around the Royal launch. That'll be happening from, I think, early next week. I'll have a whole bunch of new videos up there. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at Follow the Bounce and uh, catch me on the Gareth Cliff Show right here, cliffcentral.com, Monday to Friday, just after 6.40 a.m. South African time. I will catch you next week. It's third test, SA versus India, looking for the, the clean sweep, which will be really, really interesting. Uh, look, I mean, even if you are dominating a team, to go and whitewash anybody is an achievement in sport, and I look forward to the proteas being able to say that they have that one done. Catch you back next week. This is cliffcentral.com.